Hi, I'm Kenna Lenhoff. Hi, I'm Cynthia Sherpet. Welcome to the first podcast episode of This One Woman. We are a monthly variety show at the Hop Leaf in Chicago. It's the fourth Monday of every month, and for each of our shows, our performers are inspired by a famous woman. That was chosen by the audience the month before. And how does that happen? You may wonder. That is a good question. So we give the audience a theme. For instance, our theme for June was Pride, and then we ask people in the audience to write names on little pieces of paper and throw them in our jar, which we call the jar full of women for obvious reasons. Then at the end of the show, we pick one out at random, and voila, that's the woman for the next month. But we do have a few rules. So, Kenna, tell the people, what is rule number one? Rule number one, it has to be someone who identifies as a woman. Well, that makes sense. What is rule number two? Rule number two, she has to be famous enough that we could do research on her without being stalkers. Ooh, that also makes sense. And then rule number three is that Kenna is kind of a picky bitch, and she gets one veto per month. That she does not have to explain. Just someone she is not interested in hearing about. So, Kina, who in this great wide world did you veto for our Pride show in June? It was a long time ago, but I probably vetoed Caitlyn Jenner. And I'm going to explain my veto because I'm not a horrible person. Oh, okay. Even though you don't have to. Okay. Go ahead. I know I don't have to because part of the rule is I don't have to explain. But sometimes I like to explain. You know, Caitlyn Jenner and the Kardashians... We know a lot already about their lives. I always like to know about other people. Sounds good. So, after all of that, at that show, the name pulled out of the jar full of women was... Ellen DeGeneres! first performer for the June show? Our first performer was Eunice Jarrett. Oh, Eunice! I know, right? Eunice was one of the performers at our very first show in April 2016. That show was about Laura Ingalls Wilder. And I remember Eunice told a story. She, um, she basically did a eulogy for Laura Ingalls Wilder, but also Prince, because Prince had just passed away. And if you think those two don't have anything in common... Go on YouTube and look up Eunice's <laughs> eulogy. Um, so anyway, this time, Eunice, I'm sure, had another beautiful story. So good. Inspired by our gal, Ellen. Yes, yes. Uh, Ellen, Ellen, Ellen. When I first started researching Ellen, I thought she was going to be all puppies and inspiration. You know, but she does this thing called the first time ever, where she gives people their first chance to do stuff they've always wanted to do. So I want to tell you about some of my first time evers. <laughs> now, before I was even thinking about Ellen, I wanted to be an opening act. And that happened, 1985. Emergency C-section, St. Teresa's Hospital. <laughs> first time ever. And uh, this weekend, while I was preparing, we had our family reunion. That family that I crashed, their reunion, that family, <laughs> that family made me really want to find my own family. <laughs> First time ever. I went to a high school graduation thing, and 10 days ago, and I was gonna hold up this little trinket that they had. It was a candy bar made like a little purse and the chocolate is still in it. 10 days, first time ever. <laughs> and this guy, this guy came up to me and he wanted to give me his virginity. <laughs> Third time ever. <laughs> But I said, no, first time ever. <laughs> okay, okay, back to Ellen, back to Ellen. Um, you know, I did some research on Ellen and 
you're going to have to help me. Because after my research, I figured that is she a kindly television entertainer or is she a radical extremist? <laughs> I looked it up. A talk show host is someone that talks at their show. <laughs> and a radical extremist is someone who has these extreme radical ideas and they want you to do stuff. So I noticed that Ellen had a lot of kids on her show and she hugs them and she dances with them and she listens to them. Well, what kind of extreme worldview was she trying to start? <laughs> she was treading on my 67th Amendment rights. Children should be seen and not heard. But when I saw she was trying to change the world, I knew, I knew it was time to retire from public school teaching. Because Ellen, we don't have time to hug and dance because we have state tests to prepare for. And in Indiana, they don't care if the parents are divorcing. They don't care if the dog died. We have to prepare them because our pay is connected to the kids' progress. So Ellen, I thought you were on my side. Well, after I retired, you know, I felt a little better, got over Ellen. I was laying on my couch thinking, the couch is a good thing, and a potato is a good thing. How come a couch potato is not a good thing? <laughs> and then the Ellen show came on. Ellen is almost my age, but she obviously has a better health care provider. <laughs> because she dances up those stairs and down those stairs. And I got tired just watching her. <laughs> but watching her, she triggered something in me. Maybe I could be part of a movement, at least for a few minutes every day. So let me show you my Ellen warm-up. One, two, buckle my shoes. Three, four, open the door. Five, six, get some chips. Seven, eight, don't they taste great? Nine, ten, I'm not doing that again. Now, Ellen had a really fun dance challenge where she, you're supposed to dance behind somebody and they're not supposed to notice. Well, first, you can't do that behind old teachers because we have eyes in the back of our heads. And if you go to a neighborhood where people make less than $45,000 a year, they're already paranoid. <laughs> and you can't dance behind black people because we know when you're even thinking about us. <laughs> we know when you're getting ready to call the police because we're sitting in Starbucks somewhere minding our own business. But this one black guy, he thought that he was going to do the dance challenge and he danced behind a policeman. And the policeman turned around and he was startled, so he pushed the guy. Well, the policeman wasn't black, and he probably didn't watch Ellen. And the black guy, I'm wondering, brother, why are you watching Ellen? <laughs> is it because she is a kindly talk show host? or is she turning America into dancing extremists? <laughs> Ellen inspired me to pop popcorn and watch Dory. Ellen was like Dory. When Dory got pulled into the tide and she was going places, she was asking for help and no one can help her. And she says, I have a problem I can't solve by myself. That was Ellen. And when Ellen came out of the closet, because I watched that interview on Oprah, she explained how people turned their backs on her. They had a line for her in Oprah's movie, A Wrinkle in Time. And it said, the wound is how the light gets in. Okay, and they said it's by Rooney and not Beyonce's kid. <laughs> so Ellen is full of light. Life just started carving on her and they made a big empty space and she could have just been pissed off and pouted but no she thought living well was good revenge but helping others live well was the best revenge yes. and that's what Ellen is doing now 
So I just want to leave you with a word of wisdom from Ellen. Someone once asked Ellen, where do all the gay people come from? <laughs> and Ellen said, gay people come from heterosexuals. Yes, they come from you. <laughs> thank you very much and thank Ellen. Who was the next performer? Your good friend and my good friend, the one and only Hector Reyes. Oh, Hector is such an all-around talented guy. Also the guy you want to call if you ever end up in jail. <laughs> and of all of his many talents, I don't know if he's actually good at rapping, but that's what he did this time. That's true. He did a rap for us all. So uh, in keeping with the spirit of Ellen DeGeneres, uh, as Ellen is a person who likes to try new things. Back in the early 80s, when I was a teenager, yes, I'm that old, um, I had wanted to be a rapper. I even had a rap name, Fable. Or back in those days, you had to have the MC in front of it, so it was MC Fable. <laughs> Doesn't sound as cool, does it? <laughs> but the thing about it is, is that I had really, tried, I really wanted to be a rapper. I even joined a rap group, Chaos Posse. This is true, sorry. And, uh, but strangely enough, uh, I can only muster enough uh, courage to actually be just the caller, you know, the guy who like adds the word at the very end, you know, it's like, yeah, right. <laughs> That's all I was ever able to do. So in keeping with the spirit of Ellen DeGeneres, I wrote a rap about her. Before I get started, there is a chorus, and the chorus goes as follows. It's Ellen, Ellen, who we talking about? Ellen. She's a dancing queen. Who she, we talking about? Ellen. So every time I go, Ellen is uh, like, so Ellen, Ellen, who we talking about? Ellen. She's a dancing queen. Who we talking about? Ellen. Ellen, Ellen, who we talking about? Ellen. She's a dancing queen. Who we talking about? Ellen. Sweet. All right, cool. <laughs> Ellen, Ellen, who we talking about? Ellen. She's a dancing queen. Who we talking about? Ellen, Ellen, who we talking about? Ellen. She's a dancing queen, who we talking about? Ellen. You seen her down the get-go, dancing on the hall. From the casual observer, she has no cares at all. But born in Louisiana back in 1958, but by 73, she had too much on her plate. See, her parents said they, said they had had enough with each other. So they moved to Atlanta with mom, not her brother. It was there in high school. She made up a new rule. That's the way her troubles and don't care if you look cool. That's Ellen. Ellen, who are we talking about? Ellen. She's a dancing queen. Who are we talking about? Ellen. Ellen, Ellen, who are we talking about? She's a dancing queen, who we talking about? Ellen. When she started doing comedy, she did it the right way. You might, she might have been your server at TGI Friday, but by 84, she's favorite year of the Celica. She was Showtime's funniest person in America. By 89, she had a role in an open house. It didn't make wave, it was as quiet as a mouse. From there she ended up on a show called Lori Hill and it was there that the producers were impressed by her school. It's Ellen, Ellen, who we talking about? Ellen. She's a dancing queen, who we talking about? Ellen. Ellen, Ellen, who we talking about? Ellen. She's a dancing queen, who we talking about? Ellen. They offered her a role on the Friends of Mine. Can I change the title to my name? They said fine, but by 1997 she was kind of all about she decided to come out on the Oprah Winfrey show. And when the media frenzy went into overload, the Ellen Show aired the puppy episode. And even though the ratings were all superb, the Neckward execs lost their nerve. They pulled the plug in 1998. That was 20 years ago. Doesn't that feel great? But not for Ellen. Ellen, who we talking about? Ellen. She's a dancing queen. Who we talking about? Ellen. Ellen, Ellen, who we talking about? She's a dancing queen. Who are we talking about? Ellen. Thank you very much. You may notice that Cynthia sounds like she's on a phone. That is because she is on a phone. It's true. I am on a cellular phone because I am sitting at my desk in Portland, Oregon, and Kenna is in a studio closet. It's true. In Chicago, Illinois. I am at our producer Neil Arcenti's studio closet. What happens now, since Cynthia moved far, far away to Portland, 
is that I have guest hosts with me at each of the different shows. So the show, uh, this one woman's a live show we created together in Chicago uh, when I also lived there. And then when I ended up moving to Portland, we wanted the show to keep going. And one way we wanted to reconnect with it is to do this podcast version so I could call in, um, you know, while I'm sitting amongst the trees and playing hacky sack and uh, still do this one woman over the phone. It's true. You're probably playing a lot of hacky sack in Portland. All of the circus arts are alive and well in Portland. Oh, so you have devil sticks? Oh, so many. So many devil sticks? Juggling? So many devil sticks. Mm -hmm. Hacky sack? Hula hoop. Mm -hmm. Ooh. So because Cynthia's not here with me in Chicago, I have a guest host each month, and for June, our... My guest host was Kelly Beeman, and Kelly is a dear friend of mine, but she's also an ensemble member of Gay Co-Productions. Gay Co-Productions is a not-for-profit theater ensemble that specializes in creating sketch comedy reviews based on gay, lesbian themes, and has been around since 1996. But I know Kelly would want me to tell all of you that most importantly, she is also a reliability engineer at GoGo, which means she's a scientist. You mean she has a real job? She's got a real job in the sciences. Wow. A woman in the sciences. Amazing. And then who performed? We had this woman named Sarah Waggle. It was her first time ever performing. She had been... Anywhere? Anywhere. She had been to a previous This One Woman show, Dolly Parton, and asked if she could perform, and I said, sure. I already knew that she played, was a triathlete, but she also is a life coach. Oh, nice. Yeah. Sarah also is a crochet artist. Oh, wow. Yes. Crochet. Very cool. So she wore one of her pieces to the show as well. So listen to the story. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Here she is, Sarah Waggle. Hi, kids. How's it going? So I'm super excited to be here tonight to perform here and to um, have you guys take my virginity from me. Thank you. <laughs> so. Um, I have a list of stuff about Ellen and about me. So it's things that I have in common with Ellen or not have in common with Ellen. First being, our first names are Ellen. Not really, because my first name is Sarah. So my name is actually Sarah Ellen Waggle, but who the fuck wants to go by Waggle if you have to go by a name other than your first name? Like, wiggle it was in, like on the charts when I was growing up. You waggle your finger, you waggle the dog, waggles it. Who wants to be called that? So as I was joining my first judo club, there was like five Sarahs, and they all went by their last name. And I was like, no, that's not happening. I'll go by Ellen. And who doesn't want to go by the name of one of the funniest ladies of our time? Sidebar. I chose Ellen instead of Sarah to take my power back. In 2015 and 2016, I was in back-to-back -back abusive relationships and I had a lot of family death and a lot of dynamic shit happen. So I chose to take my power back and by that I needed a name change along with a whole bunch of other stuff. So kudos to the women and the men who walk away from bad relationships, regain their power and stand up three years later and tell you about it in a funny story. Number two, sexual orientation. <laughs> as I'm sure you can imagine, I'm not gay. I like penis. Penis is good. But kudos to everyone who like vaginas. That's totally fine. Let's face it, Ellen and I both rock the short hair, but she wears pants better than I do. I'll stick with my dresses and my pretty crochet. <laughs> Sidebar. 
Happy Pride to everyone who celebrates it. And I truly believe that Ellen is out to show love to everyone. And I think that's what we should all be doing, is showing love to each other, no matter who you choose to go to bed with. Number three, veganism. Okay, I was vegan for two years. And then I started doing judo and I would walk out of the dojo and I would smell that grilled rotting flesh of a burger and I just couldn't do it anymore. And now I crave a burger every time I leave the dojo. <laughs> but I was vegan for two years. It really did suit me well at the time, but that's okay. Sidebar. It's about protecting the planet. It's about loving our planet. And God damn it, can we please stop using plastic bottles, plastic bags, and all this other shit we're throwing into Garbage Island? Because when I go to the grocery store nowadays, especially in Chicago, where we have to buy our bags or we have to bag our own groceries, okay? Not everybody works like Aldi. They don't give me a counter to bag my groceries. No, they give me a stack of plastic water bottles to stack to wrap, package my groceries. But I truly believe vegans and other people who choose lifestyles that are protecting and loving the planet is just an act of love and to be honored. Ah, the NFL. <laughs> no, Ellen and I do not share the same football teams. We both bleed gold, but she had to tinge hers with green. So believe it or not, Ellen is a New Orleans Saints and Green Bay Packers fan. I am a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So, while the Green Bay Packers have the Lambo Leap, the Pittsburgh Steelers have the Steel Curtain, right? While uh, the Green Bay Packers wear cheese on their heads, the Pittsburgh Steelers have those pretty diamond shapes. <laughs> Sidebar. Those pretty diamond shapes, let me see if I can say it. They're called tetracuspid hypocycloids. There's a crochet pattern, that's how I know. <laughs> the three colors stand for coal, iron ore, and steel scrap, which are the three ingredients that are used to make steel. So, there you go. Pittsburgh, uh, the Green Bay Packers need to put the cheese in their cheese curds, not on their heads. <laughs> Finally, Ellen likes to dance. Please don't ask me to dance, just don't. <laughs> Let me take my shoes off, get on the judo mat, and do some footwork, because that I can actually do. I cannot dance, <laughs> that's okay. So I hope you enjoyed my little compare and contrast to myself and Ellen. I love her, I think she's phenomenal, and she definitely deserves the Presidential Medal of Freedom that she received from Barack Obama. So, thank you. Can <laughs> I do miss Chicago, so please tell me, what is the most Chicago thing that you've done this week? I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but the most Chicago thing I did was on Saturday. There was a protest that shut down the Dan Ryan. And while I didn't make it to the protest, I sat and watched it on television from start to finish. <laughs> from the comfort of your couch. From the comfort of my couch. I think that's a very Chicago thing to do. I'd already been at two the previous week. I mean, I also, the other Chicago things I've done... I host bingo every other Wednesday. Is bingo popular in Portland? Um, I'm sure it is. I haven't been yet, but I bet I could find it really quick if I wanted to. It seems like something that would be popular in Portland. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also went to Ravinia on Tuesday. Oh, who'd you see? Evanescence. Oh, nice. And um, Lindsey Sterling. Oh, cool. A friend of mine had an extra ticket, so it was a free show. Aww. However, I do have to say with Evanescence... That guy's not in it anymore, so we don't have the heavy wake me up inside anymore. Oh, no. Just the pretty wake me up inside. It's just the pretty parts. Which <laughs> <laughs> is all great. <laughs> Cynthia. Yes. What is the most Portland thing you've done this week? So Nathan and I uh, rode our bikes to the Burnside Skate Park, which is uh, right underneath the Burnside Bridge. And there was a little plaque there telling the history of how it was established in the 90s, which was like, means it was one of the first skate parks. And it was done sort of renegade without the city's permission. But then the city decided to let it keep going and sort of make it official. So basically, you went on a historical tour of Portland on your bicycles. 
Yeah, historical, all the way back to like the early 90s. That, but that seems like a very Portland thing to do. Yes, thank you. Go bike riding before you pick up your circus arts? That's right. Circus arts also is a thing that I watch other people do in the park. Not like in a creepy way, like I just go there to watch them. But uh, I was hanging out in a park and there were circus arts happening all around me. Portland's, so Portland is watching circus arts. Chicago is watching protests. There you have it. <laughs> there you have it. The difference of our two cities. One might say circus arts are a form of protest in the right situation. One might say that. I would agree. Performers at this one woman don't have to do it solo. Sometimes we have sketch groups, improv groups, or duos, and a duo was at the June show. Uh, right, Kina? Who was it? Oh, yes, we had Lila Hoffman and Dana Rochelle playing the characters of Miffy and Muffy. I love these characters. <laughs> and you can find them on the Curls for Humanity web series. Cynthia, I think you remember Dana, because Dana had previously done a few of our shows um, in 2016 and 2017. And she actually co-hosted... Yeah, we saw her with her improv group. Exactly. And she co-hosted with me in of May of 2017, right after you moved to Portland. Far, far away, along that river in Portland. We actually have two rivers. <laughs> I don't know. Here they are, Lila Hoffman and Dana Rochelle, or Miffy and Muffy DeVos. <laughs> Cut to the court scene. 
called Mr. Wrong, which like explains all the relationships I've ever been in. <laughs> and I know her wife, like, like, Cor like Cordy. Portia. 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 See, she doesn't even know what her wife is. She doesn't even pronounce it. It's because I want to be her second wife. <laughs> but okay, yeah. Yeah, like I only dated guys for the most part, but like her wife is so hot. And I think you can judge people on their significant others when they're that hot. <laughs> you know, officer, I, or, I mean, sorry, judge. I don't even know where I am right now. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> just thinking about Portia, I kind of think I want to be her stalker now. <laughs> she really is hot. And you know, if I were to break sexes, I would have sex with her. <laughs> right, Mickey? Wouldn't you? Yes, Your Honor. I believe we should just all make love to everyone. Yes, Your Honor. This is a world of love. Don't put us in jail. <laughs> and see. Hi, I'm Neil Arcenti, producer of the podcast version of This One Woman. If you're enjoying this, come and see the show live and for free every fourth Monday of the month at Hopleaf, 5148 North Clark Street in Chicago. For more information, check out the website at thisonewoman.net or like us on Facebook. And now, back to the podcast. Who else was in this fabulous lineup? Elise Nyland. Oh, good one. Elise Nyland is a fantastic stand-up in Chicago. She's also the host of You Joke Like a Girl, Open Mic, and Showcase at Volumes Bookstore in Wicker Park. So all you people in Chicago who joke like a girl, go to Volumes and uh, say it into a microphone. Exactly. Here's Elise Nyland. Um, I, I, has anybody seen me before? No? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Should just tell all my old shit. Uh, no. Uh, I am typically a stand-up comedian. Um, this was difficult for me as much as, look at this out. I could just stand up here for five minutes in this outfit because it's so great. <laughs> uh, and I did not buy any of these pieces. I had them all in my closet already. Um, so, <laughs> good job, me. Um, so I'm kind of going to do the same thing that Ellen did over here about uh, some similarities, mostly similarities. Um, uh, you guys, we both have blue eyes, piercing blue eyes. Yeah, we both have great hair. Look, look at it. We're both cover girls. <laughs> um, what else? Are both of our names start with E? Right? Uh, we both, are you guys familiar with it? Yeah! Are you guys, are you guys familiar with her, her, not her talk show, but her like Ellen the sitcom show, right? Okay, she figured out she was gay in therapy. I figured out I was gay in therapy. Um, we both started stand-up before we got award-winning talk shows. Uh, we both look very awkward in our prom pictures with dresses on. <laughs> look me up on Facebook, you guys, it's real. I had hair down to here and I was... bad. And of course we have the same net worth of about 360 million. Um, like I said, this is a little hard for me because she's so... She's so near and dear to my heart. I mean, we're both vegans right now. I think this is wine, is that vegan? I ate a whole pound of beef before I came here. I'm not a vegan, you guys. But no, like I said, it was, she's so near and dear to my heart. Our, like, the weaving of my story with what I believe her story is is so genuine and awesome. Like she came out, she did stand up. Like it, then she got this show, this talk show and my mom and my dad watch her show like before I even like knew what it was they watched it and they were okay with her and that was really important to me because I saw that they were okay with it <laughs> sorry <laughs> and um, 
that made it easier for me to come out. <laughs> that made it easier for my parents to understand what it meant for me um, to be a gay person and to understand that that's not all they are, you know? That she's a hilarious, loving, caring, kind human being that I cannot thank enough for what she's done for me. So uh, there's that. <laughs> uh, thank you. She also has extremely clean comedy, which I strive to. Like, if you guys go back, it's, and the first thing I said up here, I think I swore when I came up here. That was great. Uh, no, but if you go back and watch her old stuff, um, she actually swears a little bit, and it's awkward. It feels weird to watch Ellen, like my sweet little Ellen say, like, oh my God, it's so weird for me. But uh, so I strive to that because I feel like she appeals to so many people, and that's my goal is to, to share stories and to share laughs with everybody, every all kinds of human beings. And uh, one thing that uh, she loves is animals. Everyone knows that. <laughs> little story. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's seen the movie Hachi. Anybody know? Okay, let me. It's like Marley and me on crack. So you guys. <laughs> this story is about uh, if Richard Gere is the star. Oh, he. Oh, clicks. <laughs> um, oh, of course. I mentioned a man's name, and it's all no. Uh, <laughs> No, uh, he's the star, and um, his his family like finds this dog, uh, some kind of Japanese something beautiful dog, and um, he doesn't want the dog, and he finally lets he gives into his son, and they get the dog, and this dog takes to him so so much, and he follows him every day to the train station, and he waits there at the train station. He takes the train into the suburbs. He waits there every single day until he comes back, and then they walk home together. Well, one time. They go to the train station together. Richard Gere, this character, has a heart attack. And the dog just sits there forever, you guys. Like, there is still a, there's like a, there's a statue of this, this dog like passed away underneath of a train. Not like, not, he didn't get run over, don't worry. Um, not that sad. Um, but, but like, he just stayed there waiting for him forever and ever and ever. And there's a statue of this dog there. I'm getting to a point. What I'm saying is, me and my three roommates at the time were bawling. Like, we knew the premise of the story, right? I, you, I don't know if you can tell. You probably can't. I am a crybaby. So bad. My girlfriend can attest to it. Oh, my God, so bad. So here I am, I'm like bawling, 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 like ugly, like And they've like cleaned up their act and I'm still just like buckets of tears and they're both like, what's going on? Like, why are you crying so much? Like it's, it's sad, but it's also like over. <laughs> and I'm legitimately, and they will vouch for it, I go, I'm just thinking about Ellen. She loves animals so you guys, and that's how much I love her. Um, <laughs> I, it's because not a lot of you have seen me, I, I do have this, this little bit that um, I have a job, like a regular person job. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, I have a favorite work gossip buddy at my job. Does anybody have one of those? Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah, my for, <laughs> okay, are you here with them? Are you here with them? Okay. Um, mine, her first name is Frances. Her last name just slipped my mind because apparently we aren't that close. Okay. Um, but I was gossiping with her one day and she looks me straight in the eye and she goes, I don't mean to offend you. Nothing good starts that way. <laughs> I don't mean to offend you, but do you think that joy is showing the signs of being gay? Important to note here that Frances and I have never talked about the fact that I'm a lady who dates ladies. So for all she knows, I'm just a natural beauty with the work attire of a forest stranger on the weekends. <laughs> but I decided to entertain this, and uh, I thought, okay, okay. I must be showing the signs, you guys. And I was like, what are my signs? Like, is it this fabulous hair? Could it be, you know? Uh, you know, is it my, I usually wear like some dangerously dapper Oxfords. Is it those? Also could be. Is it the fact that I walk into every room with the confidence of a straight white male? I don't know. Maybe. Thank you guys so much. I'm going to
Cynthia, you're going to love who our closer was for June. Tell me. Marla DePew. Marla DePew, one of my favorite people. Uh, I have literally run into Marla at the Pride Parade before in Chicago. Marla is a fabulous comedian and storyteller, and we want to keep plugging all the other shows. She hosts a showcase called Laughs in the Lounge. It is called Laughs in the Lounge because, as uh, she describes it, you feel like you're in a 1970s living room telling jokes, and what's better than that? That is at Rogers Park Social, so check that out. And here is Marla with her story inspired by Ellen DeGeneres. Thank you. Give it up for Kelly. Woohoo! I wrote a story. Now I'm going to read it. <clears throat> what does Ellen DeGeneres have to do with the intergenerational friendship between a 19-year-old bisexual feminist and a 70-year-old conservative Christian? If you know me at all, you know the answer is, Marla makes some weird connections, so it's probably all going to make sense. The first time I remember seeing Ellen DeGeneres was on a Snapple commercial in the early 1990s. I was 14 or 15, parked in front of the TV, and this endearingly goofy blonde woman was talking about how if you smelled the lid of a Snapple bottle, you could not only glean what type of fruit was inside the tea, you could learn facts about the person who bottled it. This was bottled by a woman named Phyllis. She has a pet rabbit and sings show tunes on Tuesday nights at the local lounge. <laughs> Good Lord, I thought. This is the kind of shit I come up with and no one finds it funnier than I do. <laughs> Who was this goddess of hilarity? I heartily guffawed and my mother called from the next room. Here, what's so funny? <laughs> that Snapple lady. Oh. She sniffed the lid and said it was bottled by a woman named Phyllis, who has a pet rabbit and sings show tunes. I squeezed the words out in between laugh cries. Meanwhile, my mother, who had strolled into the living room to hear the play-by-play -play of the Snapple commercial, was looking at me curiously with her head cocked to the side. Hmm, I guess you had to be there. <laughs> I was there, and it was hilarious. <laughs> if you say so. My mother smiled before she headed back into the dining room. She didn't find this woman as funny as I did, but I didn't care. I felt like this goofy commercial lady saw me. And if she saw me, others might too. I was raised in a fundamentalist evangelical family and community in the Mid-Atlantic Bible Belt of Pennsylvania, and it was nothing less than damaging as fuck. <laughs> I learned from a very young age that humor could protect me. Crack a joke and distract my dad, even for just a bit, from turning his terrifying anger on me, spin something tragic into a witty, a witty anecdote, and trick my brain into thinking the world wasn't as dark as I knew that it was. I made it through the hellfire messages of Sunday school every week, knowing I could escape into a Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin matinee when we got home. I'd memorize the lines, reenact Jerry Lewis's wacky facial expressions, perform them after dinner to delay my dad's nightly Bible reading or post-dessert yelling. I didn't even know if I believed in God, but I thanked him all the time for making me funny. It was my favorite defense mechanism, and it was the only thing keeping me relatively sane. When I was 18, I began lifeguarding at a condominium complex that had an indoor and outdoor pool. I started the summer after I graduated high school and stayed on through the year I took off between high school and college. I got to know the residents, particularly a constantly grinning man named Kaya Minnick. Kaya was in his late 60s and showed up almost every day to swim. He'd walk deliberately and unhurriedly to the edge of the pool at the five-foot mark, angle his bow-legged body sideways, and after 30 seconds or so, plunge into the water with a tremendous splash. The first time I saw him do this, I thought he'd had a heart attack. I grabbed my lifeguard buoy and adrenaline-filled started to climb down the tower when he popped up. His white hair plastered across his eyes and his face lit up, beaming. Are you okay, sir? I called out. I'm great, he replied. Best part of my day. He'd swim laps for a bit, then rest on one of the chase lounges in the grass, then walk deliberately and unhurriedly to the edge of the pool and do it all over again. I don't remember when we became friends, just that it was effortless. It was also seemingly unlikely. 
He was a member of the church I'd grown up in, the church I'd dubbed the Church of the White Male God, and left at 16 after a shouting match with my dad that ended in me screaming, I hate God! <laughs> my mother pleaded with my father to let me stop attending so that I didn't run away and become a high priestess prostitute of the Church of Satan. <laughs> He begrudgingly agreed as long as I attended another church, so I found the most liberal church in the area that I possibly could find, sat in the back pew every Sunday, and sobbed at any mention of God and love in the same sentence. When it was slow at the pool, Kaya and I talked about everything. God, hell, feminism, comedy, and how cool his name was. I tell people it's the second half of Hezekiah. <laughs> I would come in on my days off, and we would swim and laugh and shoot the philosophical breeze, and I would marvel at how a man older than my father, who practiced the same religion he did, could be so open-minded and kind. He did tell me a few times that he was concerned for my soul, but it was so steeped in genuine love that it didn't bother me. Besides, he was old and white and a man and an evangelical Christian. It would be weird if he didn't try to save me. <laughs> it was practically in his DNA. Soon April arrived, and along with it, Kaya and my birthdays, which were one week apart. Something else significant was happening that month as well. Ellen DeGeneres' character, Ellen Morgan, was coming out on her sitcom, Ellen. I'd been watching the show since its inception, thrilled to see the hilarious Snapple lady for half an hour a week rather than just in 30-second increments, and she was as endearingly goofy as she'd been on the commercials. I wasn't out as bisexual yet, but, it, but I had known from a young age that I liked boys and girls in the same way, so there was something other than the goofiness in Ellen that I recognized. Also, watching the historic episode felt like a giant fuck you to my dad, which always electrified me. <laughs> I just had to make sure to keep the volume down so it didn't seep through the floorboards and into his basement office, igniting his spidey sense that would make him bellow, my daughter's a queer! <laughs> I worked the day of Ellen's coming out episode and Kaya arrived a couple of hours into my shift. It was slow, so we sat at the edge of the indoor pool and launched into one of our long, languid conversations. You gonna watch that Ellen show tonight? He asked. I sure am, what about you? Oh boy, I don't know. It sure is the talk of the town. <laughs> it's a historic TV moment, Kaya. You should check it out. Whew. Well, maybe I will, Marla. Maybe I will. Oh boy, he shook his head, paused, and then said thoughtfully, you know, I don't understand how two women can please each other without a man. <laughs> well, I responded, there are a lot of different ways, but one of the main ways is orally. Well, he replied, I, I know they kiss and stuff. No, 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 Kaya. <laughs> I pointed to my mouth, and then my tongue, and then my crotch. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, I can see why they wouldn't need a man then. We laughed so loud, the echoes bounced off the walls and the hot tub railing and my lifeguard buoy. I never imagined I'd be regaling an elderly conservative Christian with lesbian <laughs> sex tutorials <laughs> and that he'd accept them and my worldly knowledge so non-judgmentally. But thanks to Ellen, I was learning there are people out there who see me. I just had to be ready to look in unlikely places, like a 1990s Snapple commercial or the open mind of a kind old man at the pool of a condominium complex. <laughs> Cynthia, it's been so nice talking to you. I know, it's fun. I'm looking forward to talking to you again after our next live show. And when's that? The, our next live show is July 23rd at Hopleaf in Andersonville, which is also in Chicago. Yeah, what was the theme? The theme for July is Independent Women. Woohoo! And we selected Missy Elliott out of our jar full of women. Oh, that's cool. It is really cool. And you want to know who's going to be guest hosting with me? Yes, who is it? Amy Sumter. Do you mean... The incredible Amy Sumter, 
who is part of the all-female Beastie Boys cover band called She's Crafty and is a majestic comedian and storyteller. Yes, that Amy Sumter. So come to Hopleaf, 5148 North Clark Street in Chicago. If you want to get there a little early and have something to eat for dinner, I suggest the CBJ, which is the cashew butter and jam sandwich with some cheese on it. And if that's not enough cheese, it comes with a side of mac and cheese because Chicago. Oh, I miss Chicago. But you should come early because you cannot bring food to the second floor. But we do have an open bar. You can eat before and after the show. That's true. You can eat before and after, and you can drink before, during, and after. Excellent. That's about it for this premiere episode of the This One Woman podcast. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube to see some videos of past live performances and our website at thisonewoman.net. Confession. Our YouTube channel has not been updated since Cynthia moved and took the camera with her. My bad. But the website is up to date. Thank you for checking out This One Woman and thank you to our rad producer, Mr. Neil Arsenti. That's right. Hope to see you at the July 23rd show or subscribe to This One Woman podcast on iTunes and you'll hear our second episode after our July show. Thanks. This One Woman was created and produced by Kenna Linoff and Cynthia Scherpetz, who also hosted and wrote this podcast. Music for This One Woman podcast was written and performed by John Steinmeier. The This One Woman podcast was produced by myself, Neil Arsenti. We'll see you next month.